Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here. What a great day to be in church. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus. I'd like to welcome those in our Grovetown Campus. I'd like to welcome all those watching uh, online and on demand. Uh, what a great day to be here. You know, I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about uh, the guy that was robbed at the gas station? He called the police and the police was asking him a question. He said, do, do you know who it was? And he said, yes, I sure do. It was pump number five. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, gas prices are like out of sight. Have you ever been pumping gas and Phil starts sweating? You may have the new car owner virus car owner virus. Oh, maybe that didn't work. Okay. Some <laughs> car owner virus. Okay. This past week I was looking at the value of my car online and, and it asked me, is it the tank full or empty? You know, that's important. If you'd like more of these jokes, you can be at the comedy club tonight at eight o'clock. I'll be on stage there. Not really. I'm not moonlighting, especially there. I don't even know if that's still in business. <laughs> But we're glad that you're here. Uh, you come here for the word, not for the jokes, but we're glad you're here for both. And so today we're continuing our series called Life's Biggest Questions with a question that most of us have wrestled with uh, one time in our lives or another. And that question is simply this, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? I've prayed that prayer over and over in my life. And in essence, uh, part of that same question is, you know, what's my purpose? Why am I here? You know, so many times people look at purpose and they maybe look at success and they consider purpose and success the same thing. But you can be a raving success in life and never really live out your purpose on the very reason that you were placed on this earth. You see, you were made by God and you were made for God and you were put here for his purposes. And until you understand that, your life is just not going to make sense. So just let that sink in. You were made by God and you were made for God and you were put here for his purposes. Today, I want to talk to you about a, a story from the Old Testament. In fact, it focuses on uh, the most successful king in the Old Testament. Now, immediately when we think about Old Testament kings, we, you may think about King David. King David is the most famous, but not necessarily the most successful. Or you say, well, it must be King Solomon. Well, King Solomon was the, uh, the wisest king, and he was the richest king, but not the most successful. Or maybe you're thinking about King Saul. He was the first king, but it's not him either. It's a little-known king where his story is told in 2 Kings um, chapter 18. His name is Hezekiah. We turn to 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 2 and following. It says, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became the king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, and she was the daughter of Zechariah. 
Notice this. It said, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after that. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept his commands the Lord had given Moses. And the Lord was with him. And the Lord was with him, and he was successful in whatever he undertook. Now, can you imagine that? What if you were to stand before God and he said, you know, you have been successful in everything that you have done. Man, we'd be interested in that story for sure. And we think about Hezekiah, what made him special? What made him that successful? I think we see that, that he... um, the Bible says that there was nobody like him, nobody before him and even after him, that he was, had this great success. But it's interesting that he was successful, but there came a point in his life when his body started to give out, that he developed health problems. In fact, he developed a terminal disease. So this part of his story is told in the book of Isaiah chapter uh, 38. It said, in those days, Hezekiah became ill and he was at the point of death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says to you, Hezekiah. I want you to put your house in order because you are going to die. You are not going to recover from this. Now, it's interesting here that Hezekiah was not ready to die. He didn't want to die at this point, so he presented an argument back to God on why God should allow him to live longer. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, and he prayed to the Lord. He said in verse 3, he said, Remember, Lord... I have walked before you faithfully. I want you to remember this, Lord. I have walked before you faithfully. I have walked before you with a wholehearted devotion. I have done what is good in your eyes. I've been faithful. I've walked before you. I have done good works. And he turned and he wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. I want you to go And I want you to tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord said. The God of your father, David, said, I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears. And I'm going to add 15 years to your life. Very interesting story. Then he said, I'm not ready to die. I've been faithful. I've been a good steward. I've done what you wanted me to do. And God said, yes, you have. I agree with that. I'm going to give you 15 more years. Now, imagine this. What if you were in a similar situation? And God said, I'm going to give you 15 more years. What would you do? What would you do with those 15 years? What do you think God wants you to do? And so that's what... We're going to focus on today. What does God want you to do with your life? You may have 15 years. You may have 50 years more. Or we could be 
uh, complete our journey even next week. We don't know when that time comes, but we do know that every day is precious and that we should hold on and we should live our lives in a way that honors the Lord as we complete our journeys. But when we think about that, what does God want you to do? I think there's five things that God wants you to do, and this is what I want to talk about over the next few minutes. There's five things that that if you'll live out these things, you'll fulfill your purpose in life, and you will do, you will accomplish those very things that God has called you to do. Here's the very first thing. God wants you to center your life around him. God wants you to center your life around him. God didn't place you on this earth to live a self-centered existence. This isn't, it's not about you and it's not about me. He wants you to build your life around him, around him at the very core of your life, at the very center. You are made for God's purposes and you are made for God's pleasure. When you were born I can imagine God being in that hospital room as you came out of your mother's womb. And I can imagine God standing over you, smiling from ear to ear because he was so happy that you were made. God made you. God made you and you and you. God made you to love you. And God simply wants you to love him back. That's the first purpose of your life, that we come to the place where we learn to love God. God said, I made you to love you, and I want you to love me back. You know, there is a word for that, and the word for that is worship. Worship is knowing and loving God back. Worship is knowing God and loving him back. One day, Jesus was walking down uh, the street, and a group of guys came up to him and said, hey, Jesus, tell us, what is the, the greatest commandment? And Jesus looked at these guys. He said, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your uh, mind, and with all your soul. This is the first and the greatest commandment. This is your first priority in life. It's your highest priority. It's priority. It's your primary objective. It's your number one purpose, worshiping God. Now, what is that? We think about worship and we, we have these mental images of what it means to worship, but worship is actually having a friendship, a relationship with God. Anytime you focus on God, you are worshiping. Think about that. Anytime you get your eyes off of your problems and you turn your eyes to Jesus, you are worshiping. Worshiping is centering your life on God. You're going to center your life on something. All of us center our lives on something. Some of you center your life on your career Or maybe you center your life around your family. Or you center your life around the concept of making money. Or maybe being famous or something like that. Anything besides God at the center of your life is an idol. When you put something else at the center of your life instead of a relationship with God, then those things that you have placed at the center of your life become idols. And the Bible clearly says don't have any idols before him. Don't worship idols. 
How do you know when something has taken the focus off or something is at the center of your life instead of God? Here's one indication. It's kind of like a warning light. It is when you start to worry about things. You start to worry about that. When you start to worry, that's a sign, that is a warning light that you've taken your focus off of God. Now, what's a sign to know that you have your focus on the Lord? That sign is peace. You have peace this flows from the inside out. God's center equals peace. Anything else will cause you to worry. So we're talking about five things that you can do, five purposes for your life. Here's the second one. God wants you to learn to love his family. God wants you to learn to love his family. Our earthly families are very special. They're wonderful gifts from the Lord but our earthly families are temporary. Our earthly families are fragile. They're often broken. They're often uh, broken by distance, maybe broken by death, or maybe broken by divorce. Our spiritual family, however, you'll spend eternity with your spiritual family. Your spiritual family will continue forever. You're going to spend more time with your spiritual family than you will with your physical family. And because of that, God wants you to learn to love them. Now, the Bible has a word that describes this love for your spiritual family. The Bible calls this fellowship. Okay? The Bible calls this fellowship. And this is the second purpose of your life. I don't believe you'll ever discover your true purpose living for yourself or living by yourself. You need other people. God has created you with this deep need to be in community with one another, to be in relationships. God doesn't want you to go through life on your own. He's created you and I with certain needs that can only be met by the fellowship of other believers. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, So now, Gentiles, you're no longer, uh, you, um, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with God's holy people. You are members of God's family. You. You're a member of God's family. You see, the Christian life is not just a matter of believing but the Christian life is a matter of belonging. You have this opportunity to belong, to belong to a spiritual family. There are too many Americans that, that take this lightly, and they fail to get connected to a spiritual family. They fail to get connected to a church. In fact, they float from place to place. They're almost like consumers that are going around looking for the best bargain. They're at this one place one week and another place another week. If you're floating from church to church, you will never really discover your genuine purpose on this earth. Get connected. And it may be here at Stevens Creek, but it may not be. But I would just say to you, get connected. Now, all of you don't leave next week at one time. 
But over the time, get connected. We really want you to take your next step because I believe there's something spiritual about being a part of the fellowship. Now, when I was a child, my dad was involved in every civic organization in town, I think. I mean, he was a member of the JCs. He was a member of the Lions Club. He was a member of uh, the Gideons. He was a member of the Masons, and he was a member of the Shriners. And I used to, as a kid, crawl up in his closet and uh, pull out his funny red Shriners hat. He had this red Shriners hat that was about like this, and it was made of felt. It was called a fez. It had uh, jewels on the front that spell, spell out the word hijaz. And along with this hat, he had a ring, and he had a secret handshake. Those were symbols that told people that he was a member of that organization. Do you know the church has a symbol of fellowship? It's not a secret handshake. It's not a special ring. It's not a hat that we wear. But the church's symbol of fellowship is called baptism. Baptism is a symbol that says that we belong together. It's a symbol that says, I belong to Jesus Christ. Jesus gave his life for the church. Jesus loves the church, and he wants us to love the church like he loves the church. And we demonstrate that love for his church by choosing to belong. I said, there's five things that you can do to really discover your purpose. Here's the third one. God wants you to grow spiritually. God wants you to grow spiritually. He wants you to become like Christ. He wants you to think like Jesus thinks. He wants you to live like Jesus lives. He wants you to take on his character qualities and live out your faith. Years ago, there was a fad that went around uh, that you'd wear a bracelet with letters on it that says WWJD, which stood for what would Jesus do? And that just uh, went viral in, in the nation. What would Jesus do in this? And this is a good question. It's in that that we learn how to think like Jesus would think. And as we do that, we're going to grow closer to him and his understanding, his teachings, and we're going to be like him. Now, the Bible has a word for that, and that word is discipleship. A disciple is a student. A disciple is a lifelong learner. Now, next Sunday, we're going to celebrate uh, the students here across the creek that are graduating from high school and college. And there's a temptation in all of us to think, well, when we cross this line, we receive that diploma, or maybe we're baptized, we've learned all we need to know. But that's not the case. We are lifelong students. We're lifelong learners. He wants you to become more like Jesus every day. Listen to the words of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, notice this, growing in every way more and more like Christ. 
We're growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. God wants us to grow. He wants us to continue growing. God's will for you is to grow up. You know, babies are really cute. But if a baby stays a baby, it's tragic. Babies are designed to grow up, to become toddlers, to become elementary students, to become middle school and high school students, to to grow up and become adults. A lot of people, unfortunately, grow older but never grow up in the faith. God wants us to mature. God wants us to develop. Now, how do you do that? I think one way to do that is pick up a Bible and read it. Read the story of Jesus. The story of Jesus is told in the four books of the uh, first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just to read that. In fact, in John, Jesus said, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. In other words, this is not just a normal book. There's an energy behind these words, and that energy is the power and the presence of God, the presence of his Holy Spirit, that when you read these books, it it starts to work on the inside of you and gives you this spiritual uh, power. So you read the Bible. Along with that, uh, another tool that we use to grow up in our faith is prayer. Prayer is talking to God. It is understanding how how to have that communication. It it is just speaking from your heart. And it's in that prayer. But it's not only just talking to God, it's listening. So many times we spend so much time talking and when God just wants us to pause for a moment, to be quiet, and just to take it in and to listen. Now, most of you are not surprised. Oh, yeah, Marty told us to read the Bible and pray. I mean, you said, I've heard that a hundred times before. Well, Yes, and 101 as of today, and and it's something we all need to be reminded of. But there are other things that make us grow up and to grow spiritually. Do you know, sometimes trials make us grow up. Sometimes trials. Now, trials are situations designed by God to draw us closer to him. Trials are not designed to hurt us, but trials are designed to help us. Some of you are going through a trial right now. And this trial that you're faced with, and you don't like it at all, and and I get it, and, and I wouldn't like it either if I were going through the trial that you're going through. I've got my own set of trials. But I do understand this, that God is working in you and through you, and God is developing your character, that you go through this and you're becoming stronger, you're becoming wiser, your, your character is being developed. So trials are, are designed to help us. They're not designed to hurt us. Now, on the other hand, trials are different than temptations. Temptations are situations designed by Satan, and these temptations are designed to harm us. God never tempts you, but God is able to use temptations, Satan's temptations, for good. Because in that moment, when you have that free moral choice that you're going to decide whether to give in to this temptation or not, that when you choose not to give in to that, you are growing spiritually. 
I want you to grow up. I want you to grow spiritually. I think if you will make those steps, and there's other things, serving uh, is an important part. All of that uh, helps us to grow up. And in doing so, we figure out why we've been placed on this earth, and we figure out really what God wants us to do. Now, let's move forward. Here's the fourth one. God wants you to give something back. God wants you to give something back. We're all meant to give something back. We're all meant to make a contribution. The Bible says that we are created to serve, that we have been saved to serve, that we have been gifted to serve, that we have been shaped to serve. We've been commanded to give back. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works. You have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for you in advance. God has already prepared opportunities for you to do something good to do something good, to help somebody else. We're here to do good works. We are the hands and we are the feet of Jesus in this community. God has given you these special talents. He has given you spiritual gifts. He has given you abilities. He's given you your personality. He's given you your experiences. And you put all that together and he wants you to use your shape to help others, to make this world a better place. In 1 Peter chapter 4, it says, each one of us should use whatever gift that we have received to serve others. So your fourth purpose is to give something back. We serve God by serving others. Now, the Bible has a word for that. What's that word? The word is ministry. When you use your talents and your abilities and your personality and your experiences, your background to help somebody else, that is called ministering. You are a minister. In the Bible, servant and minister come from the same root word. Service and ministry came from the same word. Every Christian is a minister. God wants you to give something back. Just think about the story of Hezekiah. Put yourself in his shoes. So God comes to Hezekiah and said, Hezekiah, I'm going to extend your life for 15 years. If God were to extend your life for 15 years, what would you do with that time? How would you give back? Very practically, there are people all around you that God has placed in your path because he wants you to do something good for them. Do something good with, for them, not expecting anything in return. It could be somebody uh, in this room today. It could be somebody at work that you'll see tomorrow. It could be somebody in the neighborhood. It could be a, a relative. But God has created these opportunities for you to do something good, for you to help them, for you to minister to them, for you to serve them. There are opportunities all around for you to serve, and, and you become like Christ when you serve other people. 
You know, you look around Stevens Creek Church, and so often it is easy to um, see our Grovetown campus, our South campus, see um, our Augusta campus, and you think, man, that's a fine, that's a well-oiled machine, and it is. But what you may not realize is, if, if you're new to Stevens Creek, the reason that Stevens Creek appears to be a well-oiled machine is because of you, the volunteers, and the people who serve Christ in this church on a regular basis. I mean, we are a volunteer-intensive organization, and the reason that uh, we are at the place that we are right now is because of you. You have been faithful to use your gifts and talents. And it's crazy to see what a group of people who join together can do. You make things better when you join together. I am telling you, over and over, I just see miracles. You know, uh, I was at our Grovetown campus a couple of weeks ago, and I, I was shaking hands after service, and somebody came up to me and said, Pastor Marty said, we're the fastest growing church in Columbia County. And um, I laughed at that because the church, the Grovetown campus is only 10 weeks old at the time. So no doubt they probably were. But you step back, and today there will be 300 people at the Grovetown campus. On Easter, there were over 500 people at the Grovetown campus. It was started in February. So how does that even happen? And we're understaffed there. But how does that happen? It happens because so many creakers said, I'll roll up my sleeves, I'll give of my time, I will serve, I will make a difference. The same thing could be said with our, our, our South Campus. This past Easter, they, they set a record for attendance in our South Campus. It's because people like you said, I want to be a part of what God is doing in this community. I want to serve you see, when you help other people, you make your life better. There's something about giving out. You start to give, what happens? It comes back. You plant a seed, and then you receive something back. You'll never be able to outgive God. Anytime you give, whether it's your money, whether it's your time, whether it's your resources, your talents, when you steward your resources, God takes that, anoints it, and brings it back to you. God blesses you. When you help other people, it makes your life better. And when you boil it all down to it, when you think about your life, you can only do two things. You can waste it or you can invest it in making this world a better place. Don't waste your life because one day you're going to stand before God and he's going to ask you two questions. In fact, this is your final exam. We've got students, high school students this week preparing for final exams coming up. Well, God has a final exam too. You will stand before God and your final exam will be two questions. Now, the good news is I'm going to tell you the questions that are going to be on the test. That's the kind of questions I love. I mean, the test I love when I went to school. When the teacher said, you need to study this, these are the questions that are going to be on the test. And so you've hyper-focused on those. And so I'm going to tell you 
The two questions are going to be on God's test. One day you're going to stand before him and he's going to ask you this question. Hey, why should I let you into heaven? That's the first question. Now, the answer to that question is this. Because I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I have received the free gift of the forgiveness of my sins. That's the question. That's the answer to the question. And you hear me talk about that over and over again because it is truly the most important question. But there is a second question that you may not realize he's going to ask. And that's this question. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? This is a question about stewardship. What did you do with what I gave you? And our rewards, once we get to heaven, will be based on that. So let's think about this. What's the fourth purpose of our life? We've been created to give something back. Here's the fifth and final one. God wants you to tell others about his love. God wants you to tell other people about his love. We're all to a call to share the good news of Christ. You were made for a mission. You are meant to be sent. God wants you to pass on what you know. Now, the Bible has a word for this, and this word is called evangelism. Evangelism simply means good news. An evangelist is somebody that travels around and proclaims good news. Evangelism is sharing what God is doing in your life. God wants you to tell your story. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts or the ends of the earth. I want you to notice something about that verse. Witness is not something that you do. Witness is something that you are. Jesus is not saying, I want you to witness for me, but he says, you are my witness. This is your identity. You are a witness. So very practically, what is a witness? A witness is somebody who tells what they've seen, what they have heard, what they have experienced, To, uh, as a statement in a court. And so a witness said, this is what I saw. This is what's happened to me. Nobody can be a better witness of what God has done in your life than you. You are the best witness. So just tell people your story. You don't have to have a theology degree to do that. Just say, look, I don't know everything about the Bible, but let me just tell you, this is what has happened to me. And just look for those opportunities because, you see, God is going to put you in conversations, normal, everyday conversations, maybe even this week or over the next few weeks. And in that conversation, there's going to come a point when the Holy Spirit will get involved in that conversation where that normal conversation turns and becomes a spiritual conversation. And you have to decide, what are you going to do at that moment? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell your story. Just tell your story. Or you may say, hey, why don't you come to church with me Sunday? 
and just invite somebody to come along. That's all I'm asking. And so that you can think about those people, often through the times, through the years, we've taken an opportunity and we've written people's names down on a note card. And so you write their names down on a note card and maybe you put it in your Bible, maybe you put it um, on your desk and you just see that over and over. And you're just reminded to pray for those people and pray for opportunities to tell what Jesus has done to tell the good news. Now, here uh, at the Augusta campus, we have the ability to write names on our glass windows. This, habit, this practice started, oh my goodness, 10, 15 years ago, where people would come up and write names uh, of, of their friends on these windows. Last Sunday, this lady came to me and talked to me. She said, this is my first time at church. And so I really enjoyed the service, and, and she was a little uncomfortable, but she said, yeah, I just enjoyed it. And she, she walked on back, and just a few minutes later, I saw her come back to the front, but this time she was uh, walking with somebody else. It was her friend. She looked over to me. She said, my, basically, my friend wrote my name on the windows, and I'm going over there to see my name on these windows. She was thrilled that her friend loved her enough to come forward and write her friend's name on the windows. I'll tell you, we all need somebody to write. We needed somebody to write our names on those windows, on that note card. And now that you are at a place where you are, you need to write somebody else's name on your card. Let me ask you a question as we close. Is anybody going to heaven because of you? Is anybody going to heaven because of you? When you get to heaven, is somebody going to come up and say, thank you. Thank you for serving in our kids' ministry. Thank you for being a counselor at youth camp. Thank you for picking me up and taking me to church. Thank you for being there when we had a crisis in our family. And that crisis led me to faith. Is, is anybody going to come to say thank you? Is anybody going to heaven because of you? This year, 85,000 people in Georgia will die. And many of those people will go into eternity without Christ. In the next 365 days... 3.4 million people in the United States will die. And many of those people will go into eternity without Christ. In the next year, 60 million people around the world will pass on. They will stand before a holy God. And they will give an account of their one and only life. And many of them will stand before a holy God without Jesus Christ. God has called you just to tell your story. You're not responsible to save anybody. I can't save anybody. I can't save you. But I can tell you that Jesus loves you, and he has a plan, and he has a purpose of your life. He wants you to worship. He wants you to be a part of the fellowship. He wants you to grow in faith and become a disciple. Jesus wants you to serve and to minister. And Jesus wants you to have a mission to the world. That's 
what it means to have a purpose-driven life. So just let that sink in just a minute as we prepare our hearts to close. Because I know that over the last few minutes, God has been speaking to you. And maybe he's highlighted a situation that you're going through personally. Or maybe he's brought before an image of somebody that he wants you to connect with. Maybe he's reminded you of somebody who is suffering and and you need to call that person. You need to send a text. Maybe you need to take a meal to that person. You just need to be there. I just want you to take just a moment and just think about those promptings that God has brought to you over the last few minutes. And I want you to come to the place where you say, Jesus, lead me and guide me. Open the doors you want me to walk through. I give you my life today. With that in mind, I want everybody to stand in our South Campus, in our Grovetown Campus, right here on the Augusta Campus. And I want to pray over you, and then I'll turn you over to your campus pastors. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so thankful this day that we've been able to see the fruits of your ministry, the uh, baptisms that have taken place across our campuses. How people have come to faith and they've acknowledged that Jesus is the Lord of their lives. Today, Father, I pray for this congregation. I pray for those people that are hurting, those people that are lonely, those people that need to be healed. And I ask that you would extend your mercy, that you would extend your healing and your salvation. I pray, Father, for those people right here that have received an urging today. They've received a prompting. I ask, God, that you would fill them with your presence and give them the strength and the energy to take that step, to make that call, to do that thing, to share the good news, to be kind one to another. God, I pray for our church. I pray, God, that you would raise up ministers in this place that you would raise up people who are willing to serve Christ and his church. Now come, Holy Spirit, rest on us today. And we pray this with sincerity as we say, God, we receive. I want you to say that. Say, God, I receive what you have for me. Say that. Say, God, I receive what you have for me. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you today. Hope you have a wonderful week. I look forward to seeing you next week as we wrap up this series, Life's Biggest Questions. Be blessed. Have a good week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.